All right. Good morning. How is everybody? A little extra awesome today? Oh, I hope so. That's how I'm feeling. <clears throat> Sang a little too awesomely loud. And so, uh, you know, normally that would, that would hurt your voice, which it did. And uh, that would cause a preacher to, to not preach as long, which it won't. Uh, <laughs> it just means I'll be a little bit more gruffy. <clears throat> but good morning. Good morning. So glad to be here. All right, let's open up in prayer. Father, we love you, and Father, we thank you for your love. Father, I pray that as we study your word today, that we would understand it clearly through your Holy Spirit, that it would change us at the level of our heart, and that we would live it out. We love you, Father, and we thank you that you are so good and that we can trust you. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen. So we are working through Jesus' sermon on the mount. And we're getting right there to the end. And today's, uh, we're at Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 to 34, if you want to be turning there in your scriptures. And the title of today's sermon is, Tomorrow Will Worry About Itself. Y'all like the, uh, the cartoonish uh, slide? It just makes you feel better, you know, because today's sermon is about worrying and stress and worry. And so I figured, hey, let's throw a, a happy, happy theme in today. But this is how we all want to feel, is it not? We want to feel like, you know, happy, everything's great, everything's, everything's wonderful. And so Jesus has to talk about that today. Um, but he does say this in this scripture. He does say, and tomorrow will worry about itself, which, you know, I like that. I like that. That's a, that's a good phrase. I may end up making me, um, putting that on a, a cup or something. I may end up making that to remind myself. Let's look at the first verse, Matthew six twenty-five. He says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food in the body, more than clothing? Raise your hand if you've heard this many times before. When you see, oh, my bad. Yeah, if that, what I'm about to say. Raise your hand if you've heard what I'm about to say many times before. I'm sorry. Uh, whenever you see a therefore, you need to look back and see what the therefore was there for. Yeah, I thought so. I thought it might sound familiar. So let's do that. Jesus here is saying therefore, and that's important. We got to understand that what he's teaching us about worrying comes from what he just got done teaching. So let's look at that real quick. We won't do the whole thing, but let, I mean, I'll, I'll read the passage before it. But let's just re refresh ourselves for today's sermon. Let's refresh ourselves what he said to cause him to say, therefore. If you back up to verse 19, 19 through 24, it says, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust uh, destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves don't break in and steal. For where your treasure is there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. Now, just, just real quick, this idea in Jewish terms, what they understood when they said your eye is healthy or not, what they're talking about is greed. So if you're generous, they would say, you know, you have a healthy eye, which they didn't really say it that way. The way they said it was, if you're greedy, they would say you had a stingy eye. That, that was the term, you know, that you're, 
If you were greedy, it meant you had a stingy eye. And that's kind of this idea. If your eye is the lamp of your body, and so if your eye is healthy, your whole body's full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body is full of darkness. So if the light within you is darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, since either he will hate one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So that was what he just got done saying. He just got done talking about storing up treasure for yourself in heaven, not on earth. And last week we said that meant what? It didn't mean storing up for yourself actual treasure like gold or silver or anything like that. It meant storing up what you will treasure when you get to heaven. And when you get to heaven, we spent a lot of time talking about this last week. You're not going, at that point, when you get to this big gigantic city of gold, and there's wealth everywhere, and the city that stretches from here to Silver City, New Mexico, all the way up into Canada, that's how big the city, holy city of Jerusalem is. The whole city's gold. The whole city. So when you get there, you're not going to treasure actual gold. You know, how disappointing would that be if you lived your life, did all the good you could for people, gave all the wealth you could away to people because the Bible says that you're going to store up yourselves treasure in heaven. You're going to store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. How disappointing would you be if you did all that good and when you got to heaven expecting a treasure, you get to this city made of gold that's the, almost the size of the entire United States and you get there and God said, I'm so glad you did all that good. Here is the treasure that you stored up for yourself. And he reaches down and picks up pavement of bricks of gold out of the pavement and hands them to you. You would say, boy, I just got gypped. <laughs> you know, like you just gave me pavement. You know, like that's not what you're going to treasure when you get to heaven. What are you going to treasure when you get to heaven? It's not things, it's people. So when you get to heaven, you're going to treasure people. So what Jesus is teaching about storing up for yourselves treasures in heaven, he's saying use all your worldly wealth to get people into the kingdom of heaven. Don't use your wealth on yourself to live a nice life while you're here. Use your wealth in ways that brings people to the kingdom of God. Because when you get to the kingdom of God and you look around, you're not going to look at the pavement and say, man, I want that pavement. Man, I want that street. You're going to look around and you're going to say, man, I wish there were more people up here. That's what you're going to say. I wish there were more people. And there were people that I knew on earth that are not here. And I wish they were here. So what you're going to treasure is people, not pavement. So that's what Jesus is talking about, money. He's talking about wealth. He's talking about money. And then when he comes out of that conversation about wealth and money, he then says, therefore. Therefore, based off what I just taught you about wealth and money, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? So, which one is, is well, I guess I can say it as a phrase that you're familiar with. Don't answer this out loud. But do you eat to live or do you live to eat? Don't we recognize that life is more than food? 
There's more to life than food. Now, some people will tell you that's not true. Like, I mean, they'll just tell you, nope, nope, there's nothing better than food. I've been there. (laughs) I love to eat. I'm a Baptist pastor. I love to eat. I love food. But there's so much more to life than food. And so I just want to share something with y'all. I looked this up. You're going to want to hear this. So I looked up 11 most expensive meals in the USA and are they worth it? Well, I looked up most expensive foods. This was an article I found. 11 most expensive meals in the USA and are they worth it? (laughs) They start off small. One, caviar nachos, 100 bucks. You get a plate of nachos, but they put caviar on it, and they charge you 100 bucks. Is it worth it? Well, the, I'm going to tell you, whoever wrote this, this is an article on foodspots.com. This person lives to eat. Because almost all these meals, they say, oh, it's worth it. Oh, it's worth it. Let me tell you something. Ain't none of these meals worth it. I ain't ate none of them. I'm telling you, ain't none of them worth it. Number two. Cheesesteak sandwich, 120 bucks. 120 bucks. With cheesesteaks available elsewhere for less than 15 for a reason. Now, I love cheesesteaks now, don't get me wrong, but you don't pay 120 bucks. It says you visit Barclay Prime and pay $120 for this one. And they said, oh, now that's a meal. <laughs> Number three, lobster trap truffle mac and cheese can you imagine paying 195 dollars for a plate of mac and cheese because they put some lobster and some truffles on there Uh, i'm going to skip all these you don't i don't have time to give them all to you but it just goes up and up and up there's a thing called a 777 burger hamburger 777 dollars zillion dollar lobster frita frittata a thousand bucks, thousand dollars for a plate, and it's you know the fancy restaurants they give you a little bit of food. Like the plate is big, and the thousand dollar meal is not very big. Luxury pizza, thousand bucks. Grand opulent Sunday, a Sunday in a cup, thousand bucks. Apparently, a thousand bucks is about the most somebody would pay. <laughs> I don't know those people. <laughs> yeah. Weston Hotel bagel. You heard that right. A bagel. $1,000. They put gold on it. They put leaves, gold leaf on it. Number 11. The Fleur Burger. At Fleur in Las, in Las Vegas... They sell a hamburger with fries. And again, the plate and the meal is not very much on the plate. Burger, $5,000. Now, when Jesus said, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear, isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? I know he's omniscient, but I don't even think he was addressing this kind of ridiculousness. Now, None of us 
are probably, we're, we're from Yatesville. Let's just be honest. We're, we're from Yatesville. None of us rightly will never, ever pay that kind of money for one meal. Can you imagine? I can't even imagine the regret and the just plain, just sinking, bottomless feeling in my stomach after I get done with that meal. Because it's over. It's gone. That meal is gone. And now all I can think about is my empty bank account. It's like, like awful. The regret would be awful of eating something like that. (laughs) But Jesus is talking about here that life is a lot more than just food, okay? Your body is a lot more than just what you wear. So when Jesus is talking about life is more than food and the body is more than clothing, what he's saying is don't be like those, and he was talking about those in his time now. He references the Greeks And he says, who chase after such things. So I don't know how much their escargot and lobster was. I don't know. You know, it was probably a bushel and a peck and a hug around the neck. I don't don't know how much it was. But they did the same thing. Maybe not to that extent where, you know, I mean, these people made a denarii, one denarius a day, 365 denarii a year, you know. I don't know what $5,000 would have translated into, but I just can't imagine something like that. But they did. They chased after these things. And so if we would be honest with ourselves, if we would just be really honest with ourselves, we could say, you know, there's always something else we can point to that's worse off than I am. But if I really look in the mirror hard enough, I can really see in my life what Jesus is trying to say here. You know? When I start chasing after these things, when I start chasing after clothes, whatever clothing it may be, clothes, when Jesus is saying, look, the body's more than just what you wear, okay? And when I start chasing after food, and I don't know if y'all have ever done this, I've had to do this more than once, where I've had to sit down at the end of the month, go back and look at all my receipts of what I spent on food, and have a reality check. And say, you know what? I probably don't need to be spending this much money on food. Now, when you're single and working a job and you're on the road all the time, you you justify those kind of expenses. But point is, we would work every day and we'd go eat at a fancy restaurant every night. And I'm telling you, it ate up my whole paycheck. We'll do the same thing. We have to be careful that Jesus is teaching something that doesn't just apply to to the rich the, the crazy rich in New York or California. He's not, when he's teaching something to us, he's not just teaching something that we say, that applies to them, it doesn't apply to me. No, we have to sit and say, Jesus is teaching to the common person. I'm the common person. How does this apply to me? So in what ways am I doing what he's saying we shouldn't do? That I'm chasing after food, I'm chasing after drink, I'm chasing after clothes. And he's saying, Therefore, that's where the sentence started. Therefore, based off what I just said, what I just got done teaching about how to use your wealth. In other words, use your wealth not for the temporary gratifications. Use your wealth for the kingdom. Because the reward that you're going to receive and what you're going to treasure in in heaven, you will not treasure what I wore on earth or what I ate on earth, or what I drank on earth. You won't treasure in heaven, you won't look back and treasure the temporary things 
that gratified us. You will only treasure what you did that actually brought more people into the kingdom of God. That's what you're going to treasure. That's why, it's, that's why there's that therefore is so crucial and why I've spent so much time on this first verse. Therefore, based off of spend your wealth on the kingdom and not on temporary gratifications that won't last and don't chase after money and wealth. Don't chase after the things that this world has to offer. Chase after the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So let's, let's go forward. He says in Matthew 6, 26, he says, Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? And so I got a simple question. Now, some, not most, I don't think most, I think some, some will use this verse to justify being lazy. Now, you can do it. You can use this verse to justify being lazy, just like you can use about any verse in the Scripture to justify just about anything you want to justify. You can pick one verse, pull it out of context, ignore all the rest of Scripture, and you could say, look, Jesus said the birds don't work, and God feeds them, so I shouldn't have to work, and I'll, somebody should feed me. Like, you can do that, but to do that, you're going to have to ignore Everything in the scripture that teaches about laziness and everything in the scripture that teaches about work. Okay? So let's, I don't think most people are going to fall into that trap, so I'm not too worried about that. But let's look at what he is teaching. He said, consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns. In other words, they don't store up for the future food. Yet your heavenly father feeds them. How does God feed them? daily. God feeds them daily. And Jesus just got done teaching us how to pray. And he said, pray to your heavenly father to give us, Lord, our daily bread. So what he's saying is the same idea, is that pray to God to give you what you need today. Pray to him to give you what you need when you need it. That does not mean don't work. It does not mean don't save for the future. It does not mean don't save for your kids. It does not mean don't do these things. He's saying learn to trust God to give you what you need when you need it. And pray to God and ask him to give you what you need when you need it. In other words, build a relationship with God in which you learn to trust him to give you what you need when you need it. Learn to trust him. So, you then say, okay, if I learn to trust him to give me what I need when I need it, that is to be coupled with the therefore. Coupled with you're living the way I just told you to live with wealth. In other words, be generous with your wealth to others. Don't be selfish with your wealth to just for yourself. Do for the kingdom. Do for others in the kingdom with your wealth. And, if you're, and, and don't be stingy with your wealth and doing good for others. Because what will happen is, you'll say to yourself, if I give to so-and-so, then I may not have what I need when I need it when the time comes in the future. And he's saying, no, 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 just learn to depend on God to provide you with your needs if you're doing what God has asked you to do. 
If you're living the way God has asked you to live with wealth, which means you're not buying $5,000 hamburgers, please tell me. Can, can, can you just please tell me you're never, you say, Pastor, I promise I'll never buy a $5,000 hamburger. Like, please. <laughs> as long as you're not living to eat, but you are eating to live, as long as you're content with the clothes that, God, that you have and not looking for the most expensive thing to impress people, as long as you're living for the kingdom with your wealth, then you should trust God to take care of you and to give you what you need. Because guess what? Let's say I'm going to do that with my wealth. I know I'm getting off the subject a little bit, but just, just hear me out. Let's say I commit, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to live for the kingdom. I'm going to use my wealth for the kingdom. And so is Todd, and so is, so is Cheryl, and so is everybody in this room, okay? Well, there may come a day when I'm going to have a need. And I, and, I, and I don't say a need meaning a want. I mean a need. Like I really have a need. Well, my church is right here to help me if I have an actual need. Not because I went and wasted all my money and I spent it on such and such and I, and I lived, you know, a sinful lifestyle and wasted my money or whatever. No, no, no. I live for the kingdom, using my money for the kingdom, and I've been generous to those around me who have helped me. And the day comes I'm going to have a need, there's going to be somebody else doing the exact same thing that's going to be generous to me when I have a need. And so Jesus is like, look, if you can just learn to live this way, if you can learn for, to trust God to provide you with what you need, he will provide you with what you need when you need it if you just won't live for yourself and you'll just live for the kingdom. But it takes faith. It takes trust to really be able to do it. In other words, I have to really trust that God really is going to take care of my needs when I need him to for me to take that step and to be generous with my wealth to be generous with my money. That's what it's going to take for me to not be clingy and stingy with my wealth, is I have to trust that he's going to take care of me. And he said he does it for the birds all the time. He says, aren't you worth more than they? I mean, God takes care of the birds daily. He gives them their food daily. He gives them what they need daily. Don't you think God cares more about you than he cares about the d birds who, who are here today and gone tomorrow? And, I mean, don't you think he cares more about you? Don't you think he wants to provide for you daily more than he already does for the birds? They trust him, and they seem to be doing great. If we could all learn to trust him, we'd be doing great too. And so he, it's the same thing that he had to try to teach Israel when he brought them out of Egypt and into the wilderness. He brought them out of Egypt, out of slavery. He brought them into the wilderness. And for 40 years, he was trying to teach them to trust him, that he would give them their manna, their food, every day. He said, don't gather more than you need for the day. He said, don't gather more than you need, because if you gather more than you need for just a day, it's going to spoil and it's going to rot and turn into maggots. Just get what you need today and trust me that I will give you what you need tomorrow. And tomorrow, just get what you need tomorrow and trust me that I will give you what you need the next day. And that's what he did with the manna. That's what he did with the water. That's what he did with protection. That's what he did with all those things. But Israel had to learn to trust him because God wanted a people who trusted him. The word faith, it can be interchanged with the word believe. Faith, believe, pistuo in the Greek is the same thing. Faith and belief is it's the same word translated different ways depending on how we use it. 
But the concept of faith is trust. That's the concept of it. In other words, I place my faith in Jesus for, to save me from my sins. Reworded, I trust Jesus to save me from my sins. I trust him. I trust him. I'm placing my trust in him to save me on the day of judgment. That's where my trust is. That's what my faith is. It's a trust relationship between me and God. And that's what he has been wanting from us from day one until today. Adam and Eve, from literally day one, he wants a trusting relationship between us and him. He said, you can have everything in this, in this planet, everything on this garden, anything. But don't eat from this one tree, because when you eat it, you're going to die. And he left it up, them, up to them to trust him. And if they could live in that trusting relationship where they trust him, then everything's fine. But the moment they don't trust him anymore, when Satan comes in and says, God didn't really say that. He didn't mean that. He knows you won't really die. He knows that when you eat it, you're going to be like him. And he doesn't want you to be like him. And when they lost that trust, they didn't trust God anymore. They didn't trust what God said. That's when they sinned and sin entered into the human story. The whole story of a relationship between us and God is trust. And that is the topic, that's the theme here that Jesus is hitting on in here with worry. Is that the more you trust, the less you'll worry. The more you worry, the less you trust. So, he provided everything they needed for an entire 40 years. I decided I'd just throw this in here in case you're not familiar with it. Deuteronomy 29.5 says, I led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes and the sandals on your feet did not wear out. So here's exactly the clothes. Now we already know the stories of them thinking they didn't have any water and striking the rock and water coming out and God providing water for them when they, think, they thought God wasn't going to give them water. God provided manna for them, from food for them when they thought they wouldn't have food. And then here again, God provided clothing for them. For 40 years, he provided clothing for their backs and they never had to worry about clothing. And these are the three ideas that Jesus brings into here. Don't worry about your food. Don't worry about your drink. And don't worry about what you're going to wear. Just trust God that if you live the life he asks you to live, if you live the way he wants you to live, trust him to take care of your needs as you spend your life taking care of the needs of others. Just trust him. So Jesus trusted God in the ways that Israel did not when he was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days. Satan tempted him to feed himself by turning stones to bread. He tempted him to jump from the temple to test if God would protect him from physical harm. And he tempted him to worship him instead of God. All three, Israel failed. All three, Jesus did not. And so Jesus gives us the perfect example of how to live trusting our Heavenly Father who loves us. He goes on to say, Matthew six twenty-seven through 30, Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? Can you? No. Can you, can you uh, shorten your lifespan by worrying? Yes. You can. If you can't, make, if you can't make yourself live longer by worrying, why worry? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe the wildflowers of the field, how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. 
Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? God's love for you is so much greater, is far greater than God's love for the grass. If you don't, if you don't believe that or know that, I, I mean, I am, I, I am begging for you to read the scriptures and see what he has done for you. He loves you so much more than he loves grass. I do too. Okay? I hate grass. <laughs> but look how God closed the grass. You can Sometimes, if you go by my house, you can see, because I'll let it grow until it flowers, like, sometimes. <laughs> but if you let grass grow, it will flower. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, and even Solomon, who had the most luxurious clothing anybody ever had up to the days of Jesus, he said even Solomon wasn't as beautiful as the way that God clothes grass. He loves you so much more than grass. You've just got to learn to trust him to provide clothing for you like he provides clothing for his creation. Trust him. <clears throat> we have every reason to trust him. So then verses 31 and 32, he says, So don't worry, saying, What will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And so what Jesus is comparing here is he's like, look at the lifestyle of these Gentiles who do not follow God, who don't worship God. Look at their lifestyle. They're chasing after all these things in the moment. They spend so much of their wealth on clothes and on banquets, on food, on drink. They spend so much of their wealth on things that are so temporary and don't last. And he's saying, don't live that way. Don't spend all your wealth on these things that are just so temporary. God knows you need to eat. God knows you need to drink. And God knows you need to have clothes. He's going to provide these things for you if you'll just live the way he asks you to live, to trust him. So he reassures us that he knows what we need. But he doesn't want us to just sit around idle waiting for him to give us what we need. He wants us to be busy working for the kingdom of God. So it's not... He's not saying just sit around and wait and God will bring it to you. He's saying in the meantime, while you're not chasing after worldly things, while you're not chasing after clothes and food and parties and all these things, while you're not chasing after those things, in the meantime, be pursuing the kingdom. Chase after the kingdom. Do kingdom work. Do good for others. Be generous to others. Help others. Lead people to God. And so that's what he's, he says. He doesn't just say, don't worry, because all of us, it's easy to just say, don't worry. Has that ever worked? Nope. When you're worried about something and somebody says, don't worry about it, you're like, that didn't help at all. Yeah, I'm just as worried as when you said, don't worry. Like, that didn't help. Jesus didn't just say that. He didn't just say, don't worry. 
He went on to explain why you shouldn't worry. He gave you reasons why you shouldn't worry because God knows God can give you what he needs and God already doing it for everything. You can look outside and look at what he's taking care of. You see he's doing it for all the rest of the creation. He'll do it for you too. But he's saying, don't just sit around idle, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. There's, there's the key. That's what you are to do. You're not to worry you are to take your needs to God in prayer. You're to tell God, these are the things I'm worried about. And you don't need to lie. You need to be honest. You need to come to God in prayer and you say, God, these are the things I'm worried about. I've got such and such bill coming up and I just don't have the money to pay it. And I'm worried because I don't know where that money's going to come from. And I know I've got to pay this bill. Or, you know, God, I've got a test coming up at the hospital and I'm just so worried about what the result's going to be because I have so many things I want to do and I know a bad result is going to mean I'm not going to be able to do any of these things I wanted to do. And we have all these genuine worries that we can't just pretend like we're not worried. But this is what we're to do. We're to come to God. We're to say, God, these are my worries. Bring them to him in prayer and then trust that he's going to give you what you need, even if it's not what you want. That's the part where we have trouble. Trust that God's going to give me what I need, even if it's not what I want, so that I can be content and not worry. And if I will just live the way he wants me to, which means if I will pursue the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In other words, if I will live righteously, if I will chase after God's righteousness, which is perfect righteousness, is holiness. If I will chase after and pursue holiness and I will pursue the kingdom of God with my money and time and things, the building of the kingdom of God. If I will get on God's agenda and live the way he intended, intended for me to live when he created me. You know, it's like, I want to be the man God wanted me to be. I want to be the woman God wanted me to be. You, you know what I'm saying? When God created you, he had a plan. This is what I want for you. These are the plans I have for you. This is what I want you to do. This is the impact I want you to make. And if we would just get on that plan and say, okay, God, I want to do what you want me to do. I want to fill those plans that you had, plans that I could have never dreamed of on my own, things that I would never dream of and never know, you know, to think to do. You just bring them my way and just tell me what to do. And so all I'm going to focus on is living holy, which is mean I'm going to focus on trying not to live sinfully. I'm going to try not to sin against you because that's what every Christian should be doing. Follow Jesus. When Jesus said, follow me, he didn't say follow me down a lifestyle of debauchery. You know, to follow Jesus literally is to follow in the steps of righteousness, in the steps of holiness, to, to turn from sin, to repent. That's what it is. To follow him is to turn from sin. And so he's saying, if you would just say to yourself, okay, God, I'm just going to pursue righteousness and I'm going to pursue the building of your kingdom. I'm going to use my wealth for the furthering of your kingdom. I'm going to do good to others. I'm going to be generous to others. I'm going to love others. And I'm going to share this, this gospel truth of, of, of the only way of salvation with others. If we will do that and bring to God our worries in prayer, then all that's left is for us to just trust. It's to trust that God's going to take care of us. He's going to give me what I need even if even if it's not what I think I need, or even if it's not what I really, really want. He's going to take care of my needs. And the more we'll live this lifestyle of pursue the kingdom of God and his righteousness and trust that God's going to give me what I need, 
the less and less and less we're going to worry that God's going to give us what we need because we're going to look back and say, you know what? I was in such and such situation and I just came to God and I prayed because I, I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know how I was going to come up with the money. All of a sudden, such and such came up and it just came out of nowhere and my needs were met. And such and such time came up and my needs were met. And such and such time in the past came up and my needs were met. And God has shown so faithfully to meet my needs that I can trust him easier and easier and easier. I can trust him that he's going to keep meeting my needs until the day he calls me home. And he's going to call me home. So getting a good, clean doctor's report with no cancer and no terminal illness is not always going to be your need. And and, and people don't want to hear that, but it's the truth. One day God will call you home, and he chooses all kinds of different ways to allow you to leave this earth. Some of us do leave in in ways we don't want to leave. And, And I know that sounds depressing when I just got to the end of the sermon and now I'm leaving you on a depressing note. That's not what I'm trying to do. But what I'm trying to say is God will give us what we need until he's ready to call us home. And when he chooses to call us home, he didn't do anything wrong. He wasn't bad or evil or malicious because he called us home into a loving perfect relationship with him forever with no more pain and no more sorrow and no more no more anything that we have to deal with on this earth he never he never does anything wrong doesn't mean we can't pray for it because we can all hopefully hopefully everyone in this room can think of a case in which we knew that somebody had some some illness and we prayed earnestly to God and he took it away like he miraculously took it away and I, I know I know situations like that we have situations like that in this church but what I'm saying is if God does that, then it, it means he has plans for you still to move the kingdom forward, not to buy $1,000 hamburgers, okay? So we need to recognize that. If God performs a miracle in our lives and saves us from some health emergency that we're really afraid of, it was not to go back and living a lifestyle where we're chasing wealth and chasing food and chasing clothing and chasing these things. It's so that we would have more time to make a great impact for the kingdom. And one of those ways is by telling people of that miracle that God had performed in your life, but using that as a doorway to have a gospel conversation with somebody to bring real, store real treasures in heaven, which is people, not pavement. I love you. We got to take Jesus for what he said. And this is, this is what he said. And it finishes up. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble on its own. Don't worry about tomorrow. Because I'm telling you, it's got, it's got enough trouble of its own. <laughs> I mean, if you don't know that from 2020, I don't, you're not going to get it. <laughs> like, it's, if, if it hadn't clicked in 2020, it's not going to click. There's always trouble. There's always going to be trouble tomorrow. Always. And Jesus is saying, look, there's always going to be something to worry about. Always. But you've got to learn to trust God. Because I'm telling you, if you want to, you can always find something to worry about we've got to learn to trust god and to thank him 
for all the times that he's given us what we've needed our entire lives. And I will say, and it's not true for everybody, but I would say for probably 90% of every person in this room, we have never not had what we've needed. All of us have not had what we've wanted, but most everyone here has never not had what we've needed. God, we, we all, my point is, we all can look back at our life and think of so many times we can thank God for giving us what we've needed. We've got to learn to trust Him. Trust and obey. For there's no other way. Only to trust Him. To trust and obey. How many times have you sung that? We can't count how many times we've sung that. But it's a lot harder to live it, isn't it? Because we worry. I'm not going to lie. I've been worried this past week about different things. But it's this sermon. It's like God gives you just what you need right when you need it. And I had, I've got some stuff I've been worried about this past week. And here's this sermon hitting me right in the face saying, Look, I've always given you what you've needed in the past and I always will. Just trust me. Okay. I will focus on your kingdom and I will focus on your righteousness and I will trust you. To repent and to believe, to trust and obey, it means the same thing. To turn from sin and follow him, that's what it means. And so I'm asking, if you've never made that decision, to trust and obey. And it doesn't just mean at conversion. It doesn't mean the one time that I decided that I'm going to follow Jesus. It means, look at your life. How have you lived? Because we all have hills and valleys, hills and valleys. Sometimes we do really good and sometimes we don't. But we've got to learn to live day to day to trust and obey him. To pursue the kingdom of God and his righteousness and to trust him and to bring our needs to him in prayer. We've got to learn to do that every day. And the more we can consistently do that, the more we'll be able to trust him. I do. I do trust God to give me what I need. And I pray you do too. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and Father, we thank you We thank you that we can trust you. We thank you that we can trust not only that you hear our prayers, but that you act on our prayers. That you desire to give us what we need, even more than you desire to give the birds what they need, and we see that every day. We can go outside and look outside and see every day how you're already providing for the needs of your creation And that you want even more to provide for our needs. Help us to distinguish between our needs and our wants. And help us to keep in mind your words of not chasing after luxury. Not chasing after temporary wealth. But instead, chasing after true treasure. What we're really going to treasure for all of eternity which is the souls of men and women, people. Help us to pursue the building of your kingdom. Help us to change our life in such a way that more of our money goes towards the furthering and building of your kingdom and less of it goes towards the pursuit of temporary things that we ought not be chasing after, things that we won't care about when we leave this place. Help us. Because it's not easy to make those type of lifestyle changes. But we trust you. 
Help us to trust you with our finances. Help us to trust you with our health. Help us to trust you with our relationships. Help us to trust you with all of our life. And Father, help us to remind us when of all the times you have come through for us. Help us to remember how, how trustworthy you are. We love you, Father, and we thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' holy and precious and eternal name we pray. Amen.